We're in 1 Samuel chapter 23, if you'd like to turn there with me. 1 Samuel chapter 23. If you don't have your Bible, don't panic. I'll have the text on the screen. So, I don't know if you notice what we're saying. We're saying, in your presence, we find our strength. In your presence, we find our strength. This morning, I want to talk to you about finding strength in the Lord. Like, if you... If you had to tell someone else how to find strength in the Lord, what would you tell them to do? So if you're talking with someone and they're really, really confused, really, really scared, really discouraged, how would you tell them to find strength in the Lord? Well, how would you coach them? This is what I want to talk to you about today, and we're going to see somebody actually do that for David today. But I want to remind you where David is, as we get a little bit of backstory, as you kind of enter the story with me midstream. Uh, if, you've been, if you've been tracking with us, this will be review. But David is in the gap. You see, David, is, this is David and Goliath, David. He was golden boy. He was... Uh, hero, war hero, rock star combination. He was uh, eating in the palace with the royal family. In fact, he won a spot in the royal family. He, he, things were really, really good. And things will be good again. He was promised the throne. He was exalted above his brothers. He was God shared his presence with him, came on him in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Like, He's on David. David, everything has been promised to David, but right now, David is in this weird, complicated, scary, disorienting gap in between where he was and where he will be. And I just wonder if you can identify with that. I mean, I, I told you a couple weeks ago, as we introduced this idea as David was entering these gap years, I, I told you about a time in my life where I was training for vocational ministry, kind of like what I'm doing now, I was training for this, I had four years of bachelor's degree done, I was two years into my master's degree, my, the master's degree I did was 96 credit hours, or like 65 credit hours in, and we got pregnant, and I had to get a haircut and a real job. And so I had to walk away from the, the, the paid internship I was doing. And I had to, like, I had to um, work as a custodian for a couple years. I realized I was not where I was. I was working in vocational ministry. Not where I wanted to be. But I was in this disorient, disorienting gap. Like, I don't, know, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm here. I think I heard God right, but I don't know. I hope, I mean, I hope this leads to a pastor job, because honestly, a master's degree in theology doesn't get you a lot of jobs other places. I mean, it's either kind of like, you land it or you don't. And it was really scary. What, what kind of gap... Do you find yourself in? I mean, this is this is about more than vocation. Like this can be in relationships, where like our marriage was good, 
there was trust, and I hope it's good again. But right now, trust is broken, and it's really a mess and scary, and I don't know if it's going to work. This, is, this can be in your faith. Like, I was walking with the Lord. I had firm faith. I hope I do again, but right now I'm just afraid that sin is going to win. I'm just afraid that Satan's going to win. I'm afraid that the, worry, the worries and troubles of life are going to overwhelm me and I'm going to lose my faith. What kind of gap are you in? I mean, I think, I think if you're not in the gap yet and you're in high school, you probably will be sooner than you know. Here's why. Because when you're in high school, you know exactly what to do. You just do what the teachers tell you. I mean, you just do your homework. You just go to practice. You know, you, you do exactly what you're supposed to do when you're in high school. And, and you look forward to the day, you know, when you have your real job, and you go to work every day, and you know exactly what you're supposed to do. You do what your career dictates that you do. But then there's this time in the middle... There's this gap where you're not in high school and you're not in your career and you're just kind of trying to sort it out. Trying to find the Lord's leading. You'll get the most out of this if you're thinking about the gap that you could be in and how to find God's strength in that gap. Because you'll see David find strength in God while he's in the gap. Like before he reaches the other side, while he's still in the wilderness, he's going to find strength from God. And that's what I want for you. I want you to walk out of here stronger than you came in because you found strength in God. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Lord, I pray that you would stand in front of me while I stand in front of them. And I pray that you would talk over me while I talk to them. Do this for your glory and our sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we are, 1 Samuel chapter 23. Now they told David, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah. There's a map of where Keilah is. It is down in southern, Jerusalem, uh, southern Israel. They are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. Hey, whose idea was it that David go and save Keilah? Was it David's idea alone? Or, you know, he, I just want you to see, it's kind of a rhetorical question, I just want you to see, David inquired of the Lord. This isn't something David just ran out and did, like he's done before without asking God what to do. Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, This is a terrible idea. We're all going to die. And they say to him, Behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Are you crazy? Saul is... Why do we want two enemies? Saul is already chasing us. Why do we want to go and make more bad guys mad at us? Then David inquired of the Lord again, like, okay, I'll double check. Then the Lord answered him, arise, go down to Keilah, for I will give the Philistines, hey, what are those next three words? Read them out loud. Into your hand. Watch those 
words, especially the idea. Why don't you hold up your hand? Let me see it. Okay, watch this hand language as we go. Then David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Okay. Keilah is in desperate trouble. The Philistines are coming in there, taking their food. They're going to starve all winter. And David comes and David saves them. Do you think they're going to be grateful to David? Mm. When Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, hey, we met him last week, had fled to David at Keilah, he had come down with an ephod, what are the next three words? In his hand. Okay, watch that language. Now it was told Saul that David had come to Keilah. And Saul said, God has given him, what are those next three words? Into my hand. So Saul's like, hey, I got him. I got him. He's He's in a city. He can't escape. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to get him, and I'm going to have him in my hand. For he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. And Saul summoned all the people to war, to go down to Keilah, to besiege David and his men. Hey, so, so what's Saul's problem? Remember, you remember Saul is the king, but... He had God's favor, but he disobeyed God, and so he lost God's favor, and God had declared that David would be king, and Saul knows this, so now Saul is trying to fight against God to keep the throne. And Saul will do anything, 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 anything to keep the throne. So that's who Saul is, that's why he's mad at David, because he knows David is going to be king. And so he's trying to fight against God by killing David. David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him. And he said to Abathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Ephod was a way to talk to God. Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah and to destroy the city on my account. And we all know that Saul is capable of that from last week when he destroyed a city of priests for helping David. Will the men of Keilah surrender me? Okay, what are those next three words? Into his hand. Will he surrender me? You know, I just saved them. Will they surrender me? God says, yep. But will Saul come down as your servant has heard? And the Lord, God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Yeah, he's coming down all right. And he's got the demon hordes with him. Then David said, will the men of Keilah surrender me and my men? What are those next couple words? Into the hand of Saul. Then the Lord said, they will surrender you. Yeah, you wouldn't save them. But they don't want to die. And so they're going to give you up. And David and his men, who were about 600, arose and departed from Keilah. And they went wherever they could go. Man, that's, that's a miserable phrase right there. If you're looking for miserable phrases in the Bible, that's one of them. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Keilah, he gave up the expedition. And David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness. Now watch that word wilderness. You'll see that a couple times. In the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him 
Did I read that too fast? Look at that. And Saul sought him every day. Chasing me every day. Relentless every day. And Saul sought him every day. But God did not give him, what are those last three words? Into his hand. Remember we talked about if you were talking to someone, sitting across the table from someone who was really tired, really discouraged, ready to give up, how would you help them find strength in God? And we'll talk about that. But right now what I want you to see is that God gives people strength when trust is broken. So as David asked the Lord, should I go and save the city of Keilah? And the Lord says, yup, go save the city of Keilah. And so David goes and saves the city of Keilah. And then he finds out that they are just going to offer him up on a silver platter to Saul. Talk about ungrateful. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Where you help someone and help someone and help someone and then they just turn on you because that's the most convenient thing to do? They just betray your trust because that's the easiest thing in the moment? You ever experienced that? Or think of with Saul. You know, he, he fought for Saul. David fought for Saul. David saved Saul. David was the captain of Saul's bodyguard, we read. David had fought the enemies for Saul, in Saul's name, and here is Saul hunting him every day. You ever experienced anything like that, where you help someone and help someone and help someone, and then they have it out for you? Just so incredibly ungrateful? But look, I, I mean, I don't like to bring this up because I'm a pastor, and you're probably like, you're a pastor, you shouldn't bring this up. But I'm going to bring this up because this is how life is. Notice how David asked God, should I go to Keilah? God says, yes, you should go to Keilah. And then it doesn't turn out the way that David hopes it would. Because he's back in the wilderness again wandering around. You can't measure the success or the failure of obedience on the convenience of your life. Like, sometimes obedience leads to more hardship. And I just want you to hear, if obedience has led to more and more hardship for you, that, that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. The fact that David gets betrayed by them doesn't mean David was wrong for serving them. He was right for serving them. He was right for obeying God and going and helping people who would, who would betray him. So you can't look at how convenient people's lives are or how convenient your life is to determine whether or not you've succeeded in being obedient. God gives strength in desperate, betrayed, hard situations. I just want you to know that. Because some of you live in desperate, hard, betrayed situations, and that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. 
So David is, I, I mean, I'm reading myself into the text, but I have to believe David is discouraged. And he just sees. And David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. And he was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. And this is hard country. I just want you to know, this is hard country. If, if you look it up, um, like on Google Maps or something. It, desperate, difficult. I mean, there's a reason it's wilderness. And it's because no one wants to live there. David is in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. And Saul's son, Jonathan, rose and went to David at Horish. I just, just get that th how risky this was. And John, Jonathan, Saul's son, rose. So Jonathan had his dad, Saul, throw a spear at him already under the suspicion that he was helping David. And Jonathan here takes the initiative and goes to David. This is an incredible act of friendship. I will show up for you. And Jonathan's son, Saul, rose and went to David at Horish. This is one of the best phrases in the Bible. And strengthened his hand in God. I think that in God is super important. Because sometimes when we go and help people, we try to make ourselves the hero and say, See, I'll always be there for you. But you can't always be there for them because you're only mortal. You can't be everywhere. You're not God for them. But Jonathan doesn't try to make David codependent on Jonathan. Jonathan helps David find his strength in God. This is how you can truly help people. This is how I can truly help people. Not to make them dependent on us, but to show them how to be dependent on God and gain strength from God. So David goes to Hor or Jonathan goes down to Horish and strengthens David's hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear. You know, I think sometimes we, we think of David in the statues that we've seen of David, and we only think of him in terms of the fearless hero. But David was afraid. And Jonathan gives him these three words, do not not fear. For the hand, hey, I just need to point it out. You see that language again? For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. And Saul, my father, also knows this. We know this from chapter 18, and we'll see this again in chapter 24, that Saul knows that David is going to be king, but he's trying to override God's will by killing David. Saul, my father, also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, their third covenant together, of friendship, that they won't harm each other. And David remained at Horesh, and Jonathan went home. Here's what I want you to know here. I want you to know that God gives strength when we are afraid. God gives strength when we are afraid. This is why Jonathan comes to David and says, Do not fear. Why, why would Jonathan say that? I think because David was afraid. 
So if you, I mean, if you want me to prove this to you, I, I could take you to chapter 27. And in chapter 27, verse 1, David says this in his heart. He, David said in his heart, chapter 27, verse 1, Now I shall perish one day by the hand of Saul. He's like, eventually he's going to get me. Eventually he's going to win and I'm going to die. David was just a man and David had fears. I'm saying that God gives us strength when we're afraid. That ever come true for you? God ever given you strength when you're afraid? Like, if, if Saul is chasing Jonathan every day, I mean, I'm, I'm just guessing you don't have a maniacal king chasing you every day. But what is chasing you every day? What wants to master you every day? Is it anger? God comes to Cain and says, better get a hold of that, or that anger will master you. Is it some kind of sin that would seek to master you and control you and destroy you? And you're like, I was walking with the Lord. I hope I can walk with the Lord again. But right now, this sin... Is it Satan? Firing fiery arrows at you, seeking to destroy you, filling your mind with doubts, and you just wonder, will these doubts be forever? Will these doubts win? Is it just the worries and troubles of life? But you're like, I am so tired. I am so very just worry after worry after trouble after trouble worry after trouble and you're like I'm just this is going to win here's what I want you to know I want you to know that weariness that Satan that sin doesn't mean that God can't give you strength God is looking down on you, waiting for you to turn to him so that he can strengthen you. God will give you strength. Now, you've, you've said it in a different way. You've said, I've read the end of the book and I see that we win. Well, I'll tell you what, apply that to what's going on in your life. Does, does sin win in the end? Obviously not. Do the worries and troubles of life win in the end? Obviously not. Does Satan win in the end? Of course not. God gives strength. Look up to him. His victory is sure. God gives strength when we're afraid. God gives strength. Well, you'll see. Then the Ziphites. Oh, there are friends. Who wants to be friends with a Ziphite? No one. Funny. That's amazing. Then the Ziphites went up to Saul at Gabeah, saying, Is not David hiding among us? It's like, wow, it's like double treachery. In the strongholds of Horish, on the hill of Hekeliah, which is south of Jeshimon, now come down, O king, according to all your heart's desire, to come down. And our part shall be to surrender him 
Oh, what are those next four words? Into the king's hand. Hey, you want them in hand? We're going to give them to you. And Saul said, May you be blessed by the Lord. Oh, thank you, Ziphites. Thank you. He says, Finally, someone feels bad for me. Finally, someone gets me, Ziphites. I'm so thankful for you. May you be blessed by the Lord, for you have had compassion on me. Well, that Saul's quite a guy, isn't he? Go and make yet more sure. Now, like you told me before, he was in the city and you had him and you didn't. And we, you know, so just make more sure this time. Just make doubly sure this time. Because he's out in the wilderness and now he's going to be really hard to catch. So know and see the place where his foot is. And who has seen him there? For it is told to me that he is very cunning. Like, I don't know that he's all that cunning. He's never really escaped from me. But you make sure because he might escape from you. If you know the story, you know that's a joke. See, therefore, and take note of all the lurking places where he hides and come back to me with more sure information. I just want to be sure we don't lose him again. Then I will go with you, and if he is in the land, I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went to Ziph ahead of Saul. Now David and his men were in the wilderness of Moan and in the Arba, in the south of Jeshimon. And Saul... And his men went to seek him, and David was told, so he went down to the rock and lived in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that he pursued after David in the wilderness of Maon, and Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men on the other side of the mountain, and David was hurrying to get away from Saul, and as Saul and his men were closing in on David and his men to capture them, a messenger came to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have made a raid against the land. So Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore, that place was called the Rock of Escape. You know, as David is thinking through his life and how God has delivered him from Saul's hand again and again and again, at the end of his life, in 2 Samuel chapter 22, he'll say, The Lord is my rock. The Lord stood between me and Saul like that mountain did that day. This would shape David's view of God and say, I was chased, I was exhausted, I was worried, but God was a rock for me. He gave me strength and protected me. Therefore, that place was called the rock of escape. And David went up from there and lived in the strongholds of Engedi. You're sitting across the table from David, and David is talking to you about his time in the gap. You say, David, what's it, you know, what's it like in the gap? And and he says, Well, it's it's scary, I'll tell you that. It's it's scary in the gap because you don't know if you're gonna come out of the gap. You know, David, what's it like in the gap? Well, it's it's a, the gap is a place, the gap between what was and what will be, it's a place where trust goes to die. You think of his relationship with Ziph, or you think of his relationship with Saul, you think of his relationship with God, and you will you trust God on the other side of the gap? Now David will. Will you? Will I? God gives us strength 
God gives us strength when trust is broken. God gives us strength when we're afraid. And God gives us strength when we are in the wilderness. Do you, did you see all the times wilderness was mentioned there? And remember, we talked about the wilderness is a place that's wilderness because nobody wants to live there. It's no man's land because no man wants to live there. And you don't want to live there either. The wilderness is, is, is a land of like indecision where you're waiting for them to decide. No one likes waiting for other people to decide. The wilderness is a time of interviews where you're waiting to hear back from interview after interview after interview after interview. And you're waiting for them to decide. The wilderness is a time where you're just in between and you're trying to figure out which way to go. And you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and no one likes to live there. But the good news is that God gives us strength in the wilderness. So, so what should we do? You know, if God gives us strength when trust is broken, if God gives us strength when we're afraid, if God gives us strength in the wilderness, what should we do? Well, this is painfully obvious, but I think it's something we really struggle with. I know I really struggle with this. Maybe I'm saying too much, but I, I tend to do things in Nathan's strength until Nathan is totally, utterly in strength debt. And can't do it anymore. And couldn't do it a couple days ago, but he still kept struggling and trying. Maybe you're like that. And so you're like in between. You're afraid. You're filled with doubt. Trust is kind of not there. What do you do? You go to God for strength. Now, how? Okay, this is a question we started with. How do you go to God for strength? How is God your strength? Well, look back with me at verse 16. If you look back at verse 16, Jonathan, uh, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh. And Jonathan, Saul's son, strengthened David's hand in God. Now, how did he do that? How did, just, I mean, as you think about your life, and you think about how would I take strength in God, how did Jonathan strengthen David's hand in the Lord? Jonathan told David the truth about God in light of his situation. So David is living in this terrible circumstance. He's living in this terrible wilderness of the land between. And Jonathan tells him, you will be king because God wants you to be king. And everybody knows it. And, and David hears the truth about God and it comes down into his soul and he gets strength to run another day. So what is the truth about God that can give you strength? I'd like to take you to John chapter 10 so that you hear the words of our Lord as our Lord is talking about his disciples. And he says this about his disciples. He says, I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. I don't know what you're going through, but that's good news. Like sometimes it feels like the wilderness will never, ever end. 
It feels like the land between what was and what will be will last forever. It feels like the gap will go on eternally. It, it will not. Jesus says, I give them eternal life. This is what is eternal life. And they will never perish. And then he says, this is what will give you strength. And no one will snatch them. What are those next four words? Out of my hand. Hey, you need to read that out loud. Okay, so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. And then you read the yellow words, okay? So I'll read all the white words. I want you to just shout the yellow words in a way that gives you strength. That goes down to your soul. That says, I am finding strength in God. All right? I will give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Hey, awesome, awesome. Now look, it gets better. And my Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Like, it's true. It's true. You're looking at your situation and you go, it is totally out of control. I don't understand. I'm trying to control it. And it is exhausting trying to control it. I, I'm, I'm trying to trust people and I can't trust people. I'm trying to fight all this stuff and I can't fight it. I'm trying and I just can't. And what God is saying is, I have you in my hand. have it all in hand. That's what I want you to know. That's what gives us strength. God has it, and he has you in hand. We lean into God for strength so we can live beyond ourselves, beyond what we can do, beyond what we can dream, beyond what our strength will afford. We lean into God's strength. That's what I was talking with. I was pitching this sermon to a friend, and he and I pray for each other every Sunday morning before we preach. And, and he prays. And dear Lord, um, you know, help, them, help them understand this and then maybe, maybe they can get some rest. Maybe you can get some rest if you just, you just have that God has it in hand. Dear Heavenly Father, when we're afraid, and we're struggling to trust, and we're, we're confused, Lord, help us remember that you have us in hand. That you have the whole thing in hand. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.